this isn't about worth. It's not about what video is worth because it's worth what someone's going to pay. But when you actually start doing the numbers, we should be charging more money. The goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. Welcome to Perspective, a podcast for wedding craves where we sit down often with a special guest and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry so that you can learn from us and to help grow your wedding business. If it's one thing that people don't like talking about, it's money. So in today's episode, we're doing just that with Richard Lang of RL Films as he runs us through how to price for growth. Richard is an international destination wedding videographer and educator based in the UK However, we never like to talk shop before getting to know our guests on this podcast, so we'll be talking to Richard and getting to know him as a person and his simple and artistic approach to making wedding films with a strong connection. If you've struggled with the idea of pricing your products or feel you're underselling yourself, then this is going to be a good listen. This episode is, of course, sponsored by Wajak, but I will get onto that a little bit later in the show. However, Greg, let's talk Tipolese. Well... This is one that you've chosen. It was just in the office. It's a coffee and it's a Rwandan. Oh, I forgot to pour it. And the name is Bwishaza. I'm going to spell it because I don't know if I pronounced it anywhere near right. B-W-I-S-H-A-Z-A. And it's from Horsham Coffee Roasters. I don't know where they're based, but it's from your blue coffee box subscription. It is. And so let's um, give that a wee taste. That... That is the reason why I got you to read it. Thank you. That's uh, very kind <laughs> of you. <laughs> and we're here today with Richard Lang. How are you doing, Richard? I'm good. Thanks, guys. How are you? Yes, we are. Well, I'm wonderful. I'm feeling great now that I've had my coffee. I'm good too. Yeah. Are you Are you drinking anything in particular over there? I'm dr- <laughs> it's dirty, but I'm drinking two espressos uh, iced with Dr. Pepper. Ooh! What on earth is this concoction, Richard? Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit naughty. <laughs> it's good for the morning, though. I've, 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 honestly, like, I've, I've never heard such a thing. It's like coffee and marzipan together. Okay, <laughs> I am clearly going to have to uh, look this up. Is this is this a real thing, or did you make this up? <laughs> no, this is a what's the coldest thing I've got in the fridge <laughs> <Nice>. thing. <laughs> I'm intrigued to see it if it tastes, tastes nice, good, though. though. <laughs> it tastes nice. It's okay. It does. It does. It tastes good. It is, okay. Cool. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I'm gonna have to uh, look this up at some point because it, it, it's intriguing me more than anything else. I have to admit. Uh, so how, how have you? How have you been, Richard? What? It's what, nice. What you been well, up to? So it's a weird one, isn't it? It's a weird one with the pandemic. Yep. So finished the editing finally. Um, I'd done. I'd only shot three weddings this year. Okay. Before everything got locked down. Mm. Um, so, so everything's done and now just trying to figure figure things out, kind of get my mojo back, get my, get some sort of a routine back. Yeah. It's weird. It's a very weird time right now. It's a bit strange for everyone, isn't it? Yeah. Your wins at the start of the year, were they anywhere destination-y or are they just around your local area? Uh, no, uh, London actually. So I'm not local to London, but so all three were in London, um, Jan and two in Feb. Uh, lovely weddings. So yeah, they weren't local, they weren't destination though. Um, I tend to do destination weddings kind of late spring through to summer. Um, So I was due to basically be back back in Italy um, in May. 
so all of them obviously got um, rescheduled to next year. Um, mm. So yeah, everything was in London this this year. Well, the three I've done. Um, how are you? How are you guys have been? Did you shoot this year? Have you gotten? Did any weddings? Yeah, I think we had two at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. So two in this calendar year so far. Um, Can't remember whose they were though. And those managed to get edited fairly quickly. So the backlog wasn't too bad from last year. So it meant that those ones, mm. when we got locked down and there was pretty much nothing else to do, Simon could just get on, get on with editing of them. Yeah. So I was dealing with all the admin and the stress of rearranging the weddings <laughs> while Simon was just plodding along with the backlog. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we've had the backlog cleared for a wee while now. Yeah, it's been good. I was actually panicking because usually right. by the end of each year, I, I'd like to have all my queue done. And if that means pulling all-nighters and, you know, to get it done, then I'll do that. But this year I just, or well, last year, I just could not get myself together and uh, finish the queue. So it bled into the year. So I suppose that was good because then I had a little bit of extra work to do. <laughs> so you weren't doing it all, Greg? <laughs> But um, yeah, I've been I've been playing around with coloring, which I don't know. Is, it, it might be a dangerous thing because yeah. now I need to re-edit, and, and now I need to start thinking. Okay, I've colored th- so many things certain ways, and now I need to pick one of those ways and have that be the kind of look for the portfolio for twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, I should say. So we'll see how yeah. that goes. How, how's how's uh, how's cash flow going for you? Since uh, we don't often speak about cash on uh, the podcast, it's a bit of an awkward subject, but I suppose we're we're going to be talking about pricing. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'll, I'll, and that, that's going to okay. be a little bit later in the podcast, but... The cash thing, it's the, any talk of, of money, I don't know whether it's a, I don't know, I've said this before many times, I don't know whether it's a cultural thing or it's, it's just a little bit crass sometimes, isn't it, for, yeah. for kind of us stuck on this island to kind of talk about, but yeah. it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be because it's what put, you know, pays the mortgage and puts food on the table and it's what we're in business to do. Yeah, we might love what we do, but we're not doing this for free. Mm. And I think, you know, being able to have that conversation as professionals is, um, isn't, isn't a bad thing. It shouldn't be frowned upon. Um, mm. So for me personally, in terms of cash flow, there isn't any cash flow. Like there's no cash flow for anybody because there's just no weddings coming in. In terms of rescheduling, I've just chosen, for the most part, not to ask for any uh, payments from my clients. They can just pay 30 days before their wedding, um, whenever that is rescheduled. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've been running RL Films for quite a while now, and I've been doing it in a way where I need to have at least kind of 18 months' worth of funds, um, complete funds in the account. Um, I yeah. just feel safer that way. So in terms of, you know, my financial situation's n- not so bad. It's fine. Um, it's not ideal, obviously. I don't want to have to use those reserves, but it's there. Um, and it's kind of what it's there for. And this is that rainy day, isn't it? You know, everyone talks about having some money for a rainy day. And this is, it's more than a rainy day. This is a, a downpour. Exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah, so it's it's not too bad. It's okay. Um, but yeah, I was saying in terms of cash flow, like nobody has cash flow um, right now. Everything is completely on pause, pretty much. It's starting to come in again. You know, my next wedding is in in a couple of weeks. Oh, um, very cool. So, you know, there's a there's a there's a payment just being made. So it's uh, yeah, it's. I think we're going to start coming in again. But yeah, 
how are you guys doing with it anyway? Yeah, we're sort of similar. We always like to have a certain length of runway available for, not for situations like this, because nobody saw this coming, but in case things mm. took a downturn or whatever, we sort of sat down with our financial advisor at the start of all this and it was like, right, okay, you guys, if nothing happens until whenever, these are good for a, for a while, like no problem. But we, we decided to take the approach of asking our couples if they were willing to, if they would pay their sort of second payment. So we split the payments into deposit or sort of booking fee, then second payment a few weeks before the wedding and the final payment after the wedding. So we've been asking if they're willing to, yeah. would they be happy to pay that one at the original plan date? And anyone that we've asked has been willing to do so. Yeah, So that was more just a case of, yeah. we didn't need them to do it, but we felt that it could be good just to keep the sort of money sort of coming in for the expenses going out rather than just watching that sort of runway slowly go down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is depressing. Yeah, so... What have you, have you, have you been doing anything to keep the creative juices flowing then? So, um, I would say for the first, probably the first two months, it was obviously just admin. It was just rescheduling and trying yeah, yeah. to get your head around the year, uh, what the year is going to look like. Um, and it was just every day it was just emails. It was trying to get money back from flights and hotels that I already booked um, and there was quite a lot of those. So that was, you know, that was a priority because that was, mm-hmm. you know, that was money basically, um, that I needed to, to fix. Um, so I wasn't even thinking in terms of, you know, getting those creative juices going again. It just wasn't on the map at all. It was just about trying to figure out what this year was going to be. And then I just found when I got back into actually editing the, the, films that I still needed to do. I found it <laughs> yeah. really difficult. I just kind of lost all mojo for, not for weddings, just for for sitting down and actually doing some editing. You know, it was just my routine was completely gone. And I'm, I'm very much a routine type of person. Um, I never used to be. I think it's just because I'm getting old. But I've got like a daily routine that really works for me. And every single part of that routine just stopped. So I found it a real challenge, um, but it's it seems to be fine now. Uh, I kind of kicked my own ass and got myself back into it. So yeah, so I've just delivered a film last week, and it's it's lovely. It's one of the nicest films I've done. It just yeah. took a little longer. That's all. Um, I think I'm working a little slower um, to get it right, but you know that's kind of to mm. be expected. There's lots of stuff going on, but yeah, hopefully we can get back to you know, some sort of normal routine soon enough. You know, things are opening again. Things are going slightly back to, not to normal, but, you know, Mm. they can almost feel normal. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a challenge, the creative thing. Yeah, um, I was was in the same boat as you, to be honest, Richard, because... I would sit down. In fact, I still I still have some promotional stuff to edit. But I've just found sitting down... Mm -hmm. I, I actually feel like I have lost my mojo just ever so slightly in terms of editing, in terms of like, okay, what am I going to, yeah. what am I going to say here with this piece of uh, content that I'm creating? And it's just, it's kind of getting to me and I've, I've been playing around with so many colors. That's kind of another side of the things that's like, okay, that's another decision that I need to make. I need to kind of apply to this promotional 
yeah. uh, content here and I'm just kind of avoiding it at the moment, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of one of these people who like I can, I can be in a situation where I don't pick up my camera for a while and be okay. Like I, I don't, I, I really, yeah. I see a lot of these amazing photographers and videographers making content all the time, but I'm just not one of those kind of creative people. I'm more like I will pick up my camera for a wedding and that will kind of be that. But I'll spend a lot of my time thinking about my about my work. You know, I won't go and create it, but I'll go think about it. And I spend a lot a lot of time contemplative. It's 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 weird because we get a lot of people I'm literally I'm exactly the same. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay, that's good because I I wasn't sure if it's like normal to be a creative person who isn't that creative that often <laughs> outside of their work. I'm literally, I'm literally exactly the same as that. I, I don't, I don't do any video whatsoever mm. unless I'm at a wedding. That's the thing I do. I do, I do like yes. taking stills. Um, mm. I like photography probably just as much as video, mm-hmm. but I don't do that professionally. So, but I don't kind of create, you know, projects to do for myself. It's just not, Yeah, I've, I've never really done that. For me, it kind of gets turned on. You know, mm-hmm. when I when I park up at that venue, cool. that's when it kind of gets switched on for me. And then when I'm, you know, in my in my own time, you know, I take I, I take photographs. I probably take more on my iPhone than anything else. I have <laughs> um, I had a nice Hasselblad. I've got a Pentax six four five. Ooh, nice. Um, is that is that, is, is that the first model? Uh, that, the N. Oh, the N. Oh, you. Yeah. I've been looking at that camera. I have to say, it's you <laughs> know what? I had the first one, uh-huh. and it was. I had that for, for, for the longest time and it was perfect. And then the battery grip, you know, like the batteries go in the handle. Yeah. Um, I kind of started not working and then it was switching itself off and then it was using batteries in an hour and they should last Ooh. months. Yeah. Um, so that, that died. I picked up an N, uh, not the N2, I just picked up the N. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. You know, it's, it's a really easy camera to use. Yeah. I love the medium format look. So yeah, I kind of do little bits with with older film cameras, yeah. but not. I don't set myself projects or anything. Mm-hmm. And like you, I'll probably spend more time <clears throat> kind of thinking about things to do mm-hmm. rather than actually, you know, putting projects and planning projects. It's just yeah. For me, I spend enough time editing wedding videos or shooting wedding videos. I don't. I'm not interested in cameras really, unless they're old film cameras. Yeah, it's not something I have. I have a geeky interest for. So if I'm not shooting a wedding, they're in the bag and they just don't get touched. I mm. saw so funny you mentioned uh, the the film because I'm actually getting into the 35 millimeter film. Bought myself mm. a Nikon F3. Been really nice. enjoying it, I have to say. But I have been looking at that kind of medium format uh, as like a you know something to reach once I start getting a little bit more used to film and you know all, all the kind of quirks that learning old cameras. You, know, you have to go through, but uh, yeah, yeah the, the... I actually prefer um, I prefer thirty five mil. Mm-hmm. I prefer okay. the look of thirty five mil. Yeah, because mm. medium format is it's don't get me wrong, it's it's beautiful. It's very three dimensional. Mm. It looks re- it looks real, and and digital images don't really do that. Um, medium format has this thing that it just looks real. You know, you can kind of I, I can't explain it. It just looks very three dimensional on the on the print. Yeah, but it's so crisp and so detailed. It reminds me of digital. 
strangely, where 35 mil has those imperfections, it has the grain, um, or it can have the grain. So it kind of, I think 35 mil looks more like what I think film should look like. Yeah. Um, so I love 35 mil, and it's cheaper. So that's a win, <laughs> it is cheaper, you know? Yeah. Yeah, cheaper, cool. definitely. Mm. Um, but yeah, well done. Yeah, it's, the film's cool. It's, yeah, it's it, enjoyable. It is enjoyable. Yeah. I, I just like the workflow, but um, yeah. How, have you yeah. been? Have you been doing um, anything other than, you, you, like you mentioned, your routine? Have you been doing like any physical exercise or going out walking or anything like that that isn't work related? Rescheduling. Yeah. Well, my routine. Um, I got into a point where my routine was I'd do a few miles in the morning with a dog, and then I would go to the gym. Um, that was kind of the original routine. Mm-hmm. Then I would kind of do work and then I would walk the dog again. So I had my daily thing and then that obviously the gym stopped. Yeah. Um, and I'd gotten really into kind of getting myself healthy. Mm-hmm. So I'd kind of gone through this whole transformation in a year of just getting healthy. Um, and then that sort of, I stayed healthy, but I found it really challenging, mm. which is so weird like to, to say, but I just found it. Everything was a bit more of a challenge. It wasn't as easy anymore. Mm-hmm. But I kind of built a little gym in the garage, so I'm still maintaining. I, I, I do about six, six, seven miles a day with a dog, um, and I try and get in the gym f- four days a week in the garage. Yeah, um, cool. So are you, yeah, are it's you kind lifting of a, weights, or are you you got running machines, yeah. cycling, or uh, weights? Yeah. Weight. So there's only so much you can do in your garage when you've only got you know a small amount of weights, but it's something. <laughs> It's at yeah. least something. Yeah, I'd love. I have to say, I'd love a. I'd love a rack. You can't uh, get. That's what you can't get them. I. I well, I know. I know. But um. Well, my 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 wife's a personal trainer, so she if she right. buys gym equipment, it goes into her studio into her studio. Right. And I don't get to play with it. You get it. <laughs> so I definitely that, need something. That was the plan. The plan for me was right. Okay, I'm going to kit the garage out. Um, horse mats on the floor. I'm going to get a full rack. I'm going to get everything that I don't need. Yes. But I'm going to get it all. <laughs> um, I wanted the bar. I wanted bumper plates. I wanted everything. Yeah. And then to realize that nothing was in stock anywhere yeah. in the world, which God, is yeah. strange. Yeah. So yeah, I've literally got a bench, some dumbbells, um, uh, slam bag. Oh yeah. Just yeah, and just do what I can with them for now. But the mm. gym opens next week, so not too bad. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I had well, the- well, they're not open up. They're not open up here. I don't go to gym, so I've not been paying attention. <laughs> I, I had the same problem with finding stock because I was trying to get a bike. I got injured running. Right. So I used to run fairly good distances and then get injured. And I was like, what else can I do? So I was like, I could get a bike and then alternate it, running, cycling. But trying to find a bike in stock during lockdown was a nightmare. So I finally, I got one last week. Oh, yeah. I saw I you think- on your Instagram stories building it. Yeah. I thought I thought Claire had bought one and you were building it for her. I put the handlebars on upside down. Okay. <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> I noticed and then I managed to build my own bike. So I was quite proud of myself. Oh, amazing. Uh, I looked at the handlebars and went, that doesn't look right. <laughs> like the gears don't have any dials to tell you what gear you're in. Oh. Then I looked at the underside and I was like, oh, that's where the dials are. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful, Greg. <laughs> Actually, I didn't, I didn't even tell you, Greg. Uh, well, well, you know that I went up. How was my your hi- hike? My hill walking hike. Yeah. Up Ben Venue. It was great. Uh, so Richard, uh, uh, a few of us went, uh, well, we had decided to, to go for a, for a wee hike the other day. Just four of us. And 
Oh, it was so good. Well, lovely, lovely sunny weather up till about halfway. And then when you started to head towards the peak, it just got rainier and rainier. And right oh, yeah. at the top, it was just, honestly, the winds could have blown you off the mountain. The rain <laughs> was going horizontal. Like, I, th- I f- silly, sillily forgot my gloves. So I was, you know, I got to the bottom of the hill and uh, my hands are like double the size because they're all puffy. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, <laughs> and I know you took your film camera, so you did hide your and hands I, out taking photos a lot. And I took my film camera and I made the first mistake with the film camera. I got too excited. I changed, I changed from a, 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 an ISO film of 200 to 400, but I forgot to set the bloody dial. So the first three shots... <laughs> Oh, that's not too bad. Only well, three. Well, okay. Yeah, I know. I know. Only three. But still, that's three. You've got to pay for film and developing. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's, yeah. like, that's a couple of quid right there. And uh, yeah, so that was a that was a lesson learned for, for film. It looked like a fun trip. <laughs> I need to make it to the next one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think it's going to be happening pretty soon. Do, do you have any, do you have any hills nearby, Richard, that you can hike up? Is yeah, that something have, you'd be interested yeah, in? Oh. I say we have kind of North Yorkshire Moors, um, yeah. pretty much kind of twenty minutes from where I am, and there's lots and lots of like places to hike out around here. It's pretty good. Mm. You know what? I don't though. I never go. Ne- well, <laughs> very rarely. For me, I'm kind of a beach guy. A beach um, guy. Okay. Yeah, I just I like the beach. I like a like I come walk all day long on the beach. That's kind of my jam. The dog likes the sea. Um, so it's kind of perfect. I mean, he likes anywhere, so we can we can walk. He's a working lab, so he'll just walk forever. Oh yeah. Um, so we can go up the hills, and he'll love it. But for me, it's just I can never be bothered. I'll be honest, I can never be asked. <laughs> like you know, like what you said there. It's kind of in my head. It sounds like it looks beautiful. Mm. Like you, you know, you're hiking up, you know, the the hills, and it's kind of the weather's changing, and it, I can imagine how it all looks. But I can't be asked. <laughs> you know, yeah, fair enough. Um, fair enough. I'm not. I'm, I'm not a. I'm not a hiker type. You know, I, I do it every now and again. Mm. But um, but yeah, in terms of like physical like activity for me, I'm kind of. I want to do forty minutes. I want to lift some heavy weights. Um, and walk the dog, and that's it. And then go you to know? the beach um, and show them guns off. To, well, I don't know about guns, <laughs> but yeah, this the beach. I like. I like the beach. Cool. It's um, I don't know. It's a, it, the the beach is super calming for me. Yeah, it's calming. I like that. Or maybe it's just where I am. All of the hills are kind of they're really busy, right. really busy. Um, and there's a lot of people about. So it's kind of it's not as as remote and quiet as I picture it should be. Yeah. Maybe if I went a bit further afield, it it probably would be like that. Mm. Maybe. So, which is strange because. You know, I get some um, clients, you know, who email me and say, you know, it's kind of pre-wedding. We're going for a hike up this mountain. And I'm kind of down for it in that instance. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that. I mean, I say down for it very loosely, but it's, I'm okay yeah. with it. But um, if it was my choice, no, it's not, it's not my jam. It's not my thing. The beach for me every day. <laughs> if I could just, if I could live next, well, I live close to a beach, but if I could live and see the beach from my window. That would you be cool. living the? You'd be living your best life there. That's, oh, hashtag <laughs> best life. Yeah. Awesome, exactly. awesome. Right. Okay. So let's let's move on to the next section because I want to get. Uh, yeah, want to get on.
All right, Richard, every guest gets asked this very same question. Who are you and what do you do? So, I'm Richard from Arrow Films and I make wedding films. Simple. That's what I do. Simple. Straightforward. I like it. Yeah. So, how how did you get into the world of making wedding films? So, I was doing, I pitched a lot of commercial work, like commercial video to a lot of wedding photographers. This was about 10 years ago. You know when wedding photographers kind of had these like about me videos? Instead of an about me page, it was a video basically. And I pitched that to as many wedding photographers as I could in my area. Not thinking anything to do with me doing wedding video. It was more of a commercial thing. And one guy in particular, who become a good friend of mine, um, he chose to hire me to make him this about me video, um, kind of a promotional thing. And that's when I kind of got my first look into what weddings were about or the wedding industry. And just through chatting to him, and uh, he was saying, you know, the, the type of video you do, if you could do a wedding video like that, you'd smash it. And that was kind of my first intro into thinking about making wedding films. So essentially, I just said to him, look, give me a client of yours that's like a decent first client. I'll shoot the film for free um, or cheap. I think it was 500 quid. And I said, look, I'll, you know, I'll do this video for them. I'll make it like a 10-minute video or whatever it was, um, and I'll see if I like it. And, and it worked all right. It was nice. I mean, for them, it yeah. was nice. And then it was just a case of thinking, actually, this could be a good business, you know, and that was it. I didn't, it wasn't because I loved weddings, you know, that's changed over the years, but this was just about, you know, could this be, you know, how good could this be as a business? Mm. Because I'd already thought about doing wedding photography and I'd already shot some weddings uh, on photo, but I never really touched, you know, I I didn't know anyone else in the industry. I didn't really know anything to do with weddings other than the few that I'd already shot. Um, I'd not really looked into the industry as such or the business of it. And that's kind of how it started for me. And it just kind of snowballed, you know, uh, first year was, you know, relatively quiet. The second year, a little bit more third year, full season. And then suddenly I was making wedding films. That's what I was. So yeah, it's kind of just, it was just, you know, one of those chance things just coming across somebody who I did some commercial work for. Um, and just that conversation started from there. So yeah, quite. Organically, I guess. I hate that word, organically, but yeah, kind of, you know, it just happened. And then also throughout the years, your work sort of not transitioned, but it's evolved to be quite a lot of destination work as well. How did that side of the stuff come about? Better beaches and better destinations. Better beaches. (laughs) Better weather. It's destination things a weird one because I feel that, you know, maybe, maybe not so much these days, but certainly you know, a handful of years ago, it was the thing that everybody, you know, wanted to get to. It was as if that was kind of a, a, you know, a pin in that roadmap to say like, well, I'm doing well if I'm doing destinations. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure whether I fully agree with that. I'll be honest, because I'm I'm certainly not going to shit on destination weddings because I love them. I do. Um, The travel and being on your own, is not always amazing. Mm. Um, being in airports and airport lounges and, you know, is not always exciting. Well, it's never exciting. <laughs> but we're not working down a mine. You know, we're kind of, you can't complain you've got a hard life when you're sitting in an airport lounge. Yeah. 
eating free croissants. You know, you, you can't really free, complain. Free croissants? Um, Wait a minute. Wh- yeah, the lounge costs. Oh, oh, Greg doesn't get the lounge for us. No, no. <laughs> oh, Greg. Fuck Greg. Come on, Greg. Honestly, I'm like, I get the, I get the, the 6 a.m. flights and cheap seats. You've got to get the lounge, man. Come on. Greg, come on. No, I, 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 I'll, I'll be honest. I get the lounge for free anyway. So you get the lounge. But it, it's for me, and that's going to make me sound like an asshole talking about being in the lounge. Basically... <laughs> What what it is, just to clarify for everyone listening, when you do it enough, when you're flying enough, for me personally, I just want to take away, I talk about this a lot, that anything to do with, anything that gives me a bit of pain, any sort of pain points, I want to just get rid of. And the one thing for me was the noise of an airport, you know, that it just became a pain in the ass. Um, and if you're doing any flights where you're transferring, you've got, say, two hours or three hours to wait to your next flight, I just want to go somewhere quiet. <clears throat> I want to do some admin, maybe do some email or whatever. I'll just sit down and just relax. So for me, it was a case of, well, I, I get free airport lounges with the card I use. So, you know, that's it. I'm just going to get that card. I'm going to use the, the lounges. That's the best the best reason to have that card. And it just means you can relax yeah, more. Absolutely. You know? So it takes a little bit of that annoyance out of mm. travel. Yeah. It sounds so middle class, <laughs> but... It just it just is. You know, if you're in if you're on a flight most weekends through kind of spring and summer, you know, if you if you have a type of year like that, it's nice to know that you can just kind of relax. You know, it's a nice Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We we only maybe do one or two a year, so that's why it's not worth our while getting like points and saving oh, up sure, and yeah. doing all that. But if it's yeah. more regular and sort of two or three times a month, absolutely. Like mm. make life easy on yourself. Yeah, it makes yeah. a difference. But the the destination stuff just it just naturally came in. Um, I think once you get one, once you get your first couple, and you start kind of SEOing for them, then naturally, you know, you just kind of, you know, you you just find those those weddings kind of come in. But I also think it's a client type thing. Once you start shooting weddings where you know maybe they've they've got higher budgets. And you're getting referred to their friends who have good budgets. Generally speaking, there's more people getting married in different places around the world. Um, and they're not particularly looking for someone local to shoot their wedding. They're just looking for someone they want, mm. regardless of where, they're at, where they are in the world. So it's just, it, for me, it was just a natural progression. But it's, yeah, it's, it's different every year. Sometimes I do five, six destinations. Sometimes it's, this year was supposed to be 17. Yeah, which to be honest was too much. Yeah, that's a pretty high number. It was too much for me. My May, I was looking forward to May because of the weddings I was going to shoot, but I wouldn't be home for five weeks. Wow, that's the way it was working. I was flying from one place to another, and not it. It wasn't financially viable and time wise viable to to go home, mm. and that's that's not good. I don't think. You know, that's the downside of it. Uh-huh. You know, like that means my dog is in a kennel for five weeks. Mm. It means I'm not, you know, walking him on the beach for five weeks. It means, you know, I'm not sitting in my own living room for five weeks. Yeah. Um, so it was going to be a little bit hectic. Um, they've all rescheduled for next year and they've all che- chosen different dates. So now it looks a little nicer for next okay. year. It's all a little bit split up. Which yeah. Is good. Well, 
I know you've got your season to do destination weddings, but what, I mean, what, what's that going to look like in 2021? The destination yeah. weddings, um, it's going to look exactly the same, but split up. Okay. So it's a, it's around about three a month ish. So it's, it's, it's less packed into one, you know, one five week period, basically, or six week yeah. period. So it's, it, it's looking all right. It's looking mm-hmm. all right. Cool. I'd, I'd love to uh, talk about your, uh, your approach to your work actually. Okay. For for our listeners out there, if you haven't seen Richard's work, this is going to be very, very, uh, very appropriately, but uh, very appropriate. But you you describe your films as simple and artistic, and I would say that your films are very much that. Cool. So uh, do, do you want to do you want to talk us through that simple and artistic approach? Basically, it it doesn't get any more simple. It's just I just want to turn up with a camera, just one camera. Um, I obviously have a B cam, um, and that comes out in certain times of the day, you know, ceremony speeches, things like that. But for the most part, I just want to film with a small camera, one lens. I don't want to be changing lenses every five minutes. Um, you know, I don't want to come with a crew. Um, for the most part, it's it's just me on my own. Um, and this is not this is obviously not a new thing. Most people work this way these days, but just a very very simple approach. So the wedding day itself for me, I think, is maybe it's because I've been doing this, you know, for a long time now. It's quite a chill day. There's there's never really a part of the wedding that is kind of crazy and stressful for me. It's quite simple. Yeah. And maybe it's because how I break up the day in my head and how I think of what needs to be done. I just want to be that calm person on the day, someone who's not running around going crazy. I don't. It's not really how I work, so I want to be that that supplier, let's say, um, for the couple that is just completely relaxed, mm-hmm. um, and everything's on hand, and everything's kind of you know nothing's too stressful, everything's going to get done. There's not going to be any mistakes, and that's just I've just got to that point through shooting a wedding in a particular way, but also just the experience of shooting mm-hmm. weddings, just being able to bring that calmness to a day. And when I talk about, you know, being artistic, I mean, hopefully we all do that. But my aim on a wedding day is I very rarely am thinking, I'm not really thinking of the couple. I'm thinking of where the light is. And that's kind of my first priority. Mm. So when I walk into bride prep, I'm kind of saying hello to everyone and doing your thing. But I'm always just looking at the light. Where's the good light? Where can I sit her? Where does she need to put her shoes on? It's all driven by where the light is. And because I've got that focus because that's the thing i'm thinking of everything else just falls into place um it just becomes fairly simple Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of that is down to not having to think about what lens to use what you know not having to think about too many decisions technically get rid of all that and you can just focus on what i think anyway for me is the most important thing which is just where the light is and then you can just allow the wedding day to happen pretty much naturally as long as you're filming it in the best light possible Mm -hmm. So I was saying that's kind of it for me. It's it's really really simple. It doesn't get any more simple than that, to be mm. honest. In terms of your shooting style, do you, would you say you're like non-obtrusive, or do you like to direct certain parts of the day? Or I would say the majority of the day, you probably won't see me. Um, I'm I'm just not that obtrusive guy. You know, I just I just want to kind of film what naturally happens. And I think when you start putting cameras in people's faces, they change. You know, they're, they're very aware that they're being filmed or photographed, so they kind of tighten up and they, you know, they just change. 
So I try and be on scene for the most part. Obviously, bride prep, you're going to see me because I'm in the same room. Um, and there's times of the day you're going to see me. But for the most part, I'm just trying to be as unobtrusive as I possibly can. Yeah. And that's it helps to be very minimal with kit to do that. It helps to, you know, just to kind of really have the lightest footprint possible in terms of your kit. So you don't kind of rattle around looking like the video guy with like 10 lenses on your belt. <laughs> and it just, ugh, I think it just looks crap <laughs> basically. So I don't, I don't do it. Um, for me, I'm just, I just want a camera. Uh, it's currently, it's on a stick and people think I'm a photographer, you know, they don't think I'm a videographer, which is a good thing. Yeah. So unobtrusive for the most part, when it comes to couple shots, it's just a case of working with a photographer. I often work with amazing photographers. So we just work together to get what we need, but I'm not asking people to act. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not asking people to kind of walk down here and flick your hair and <laughs> it's not really my thing. You know, I've, I've got some things that I, I like getting, mm-hmm. but it's super simple and quick, like literally 10 minutes, if that, five, 10 minutes done. I want them to get back to drinking champagne and laughing with their guests. That's the yeah. wedding. So as minimal time possible taking those shots um, and then back to, you know, back to their guests. If they want to spend an hour, taking a couple of shots. Cool. We'll do that, you know, but it's not, it's not needed for mm-hmm. me. So yeah, just, it's a wedding, you know, just allow the wedding to happen basically. Yeah. yeah. I think some people listening may assume, like obviously they may assume from what you said about trying to get certain things done in the best light at preps. They may assume that's not non-intrusive, but there's ways of sort mm-hmm. of guiding people around without actually sounding like you're directing them. Like just sort of, Oh, totally, There's been yeah. times where I've sort of moved the groom's shoes over to a chair by a window <laughs> and then he's been like, oh, where are my shoes? Oh, there they are. And then all of a sudden he's putting them on in the good light. Yeah. And I've not even had to say anything, but yes. you can even ask them exactly. in a polite that's, and gentle way. Exactly. That's, that, that's perfect. You know, that's, that, to be honest, even if, if, if your listeners took, if they didn't do that already and they took specifically that, that would change at least those shots of their wedding day. That would, that's, that's a very, very good thing to say. Basically, it's it's like moving a chair. You know he's going to sit down on the, that chair to put his shoes yeah. on. The chair is currently in the middle of the room where there's no light. But if you just move the chair to the window, and if you move it close to the window, you know the closer he is to the light, the more dramatic the fall-off's going to be. So you can just shimmy that chair, you know, when you get there. Or like bef- It doesn't have to be when he's putting the shoes on. Like you say, you can just shimmy it over there, put the shoes there, that's where he's going to do it. So it's just kind of quietly controlling the room without you, but not with your yeah. voice. Yeah. 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 That's like such a perfect example. And that works every single time. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong in just having that, you know, it can be an easy conversation. You can just, if the bride's putting her shoes on, let's say you haven't done that yet. And the bride is putting her shoes on. You can just say like, just pop your shoes on over here. Cause the light's gorgeous. And that's all it needs yeah. to be. It doesn't need to be some kind of, you know, big thing. So yeah, but just control the room and the, but that comes from experience, you know, like if you, if you're moving chairs or shoes to the light, that's because you've shot a lot of weddings <laughs> Yeah, and you know what's about to happen, you know? Um, so that is experience as well. So it's, yeah, it's kind of fast forward in your experience and hopefully other people can pick that up and start kind of running with it early. Mm. So you've mentioned so, yeah. equipment and that 
you're not a tech head, you don't really care about the cameras, no. but you've also mentioned that it's minimal. So what, what are you sort of taking? So I, I shoot with Sony. So my main cam is a seven three these days, um, with an 85, obviously batteries, big cards. So I don't take, I don't swap the cards yeah. out. So I've got two, two, five, six gig cards, uh, in the camera and a monopod and like that, that's it for the whole day. Bcam is an A7S2. Um, again, batteries, because you'd need them for that camera. Um, a big card and a 35. And that's it. And the 35 is uh, an old Zuko Olympus um, off my film camera. So that's tiny. So they're, they're just tiny cameras. And that's that's the bag. That's it. Obviously, I've got audio TX650s I use. Um, again, small footprint, easy to use. Simple stuff. And that's basically my entire wedding kit. Very cool. So, so you, um, you don't use uh, Glycams or anything like that? I, th- I think you mentioned maybe the sticks. And that's that's it? Yeah, I have like a travel tripod. It's like the cheapest month or travel yeah. thing. <laughs> I don't need a tripod with a video head because I'm never going to move the head. Okay. So it's just a travel tripod. Sometimes I use, I've got kind of, what a, I forget what they're called. They're like a grip. Like, is it a gorilla grip or something? Yep. It's like a bendable gorilla pod. Gorilla pods. Yeah. Gorilla pods. Yeah. Gorilla pods. I've got, (laughs) (laughs) I've got one of those. Um, and I've been using that, um, instead of a tripod and it works fine. So yeah, I'm kind of the smallest footprint possible for me, but also what works on the day, obviously because I'm traveling quite a lot. I don't want to be, you know, having a huge bag. It's not what I want. But it just, it just works for me, you know, just a simple, simple approach, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think if you can get the, you know, like what's been said, if you can make those decisions around light um, and kind of, you know, have your little influence on the day silently to be able to capture those, you know, nicer images in better light, it doesn't matter what equipment you're using. It really mm-hmm. doesn't. What matters is you're, you're aware of those situations you know, imagine, imagine a wedding day where you're fully aware of that light and you're fully aware of being able to control the day in a particular, in a very silent way where the client doesn't rec- doesn't even know you're doing it. So the shots that you get are just a lot more beautiful. You can shoot that on an A7 III, but then imagine not doing that at all, not understanding where the light's coming from, but shooting it on the brand new A7S III that has, you know, whatever K it's got 12 K raw a thousand bit, whatever. Well, which one am I going to like best? And well, I'm going to like the one best shot on my old camera because mm. the light's better. You know, I think it's just, that's where kind of kit for me. I get, I get a little bit bored. Um, the most important thing for me is, is that interaction on the day and the light, um, and the framing and kind of being unobtrusive and the experience that the client's getting. Yep. And none of that comes from my camera, mm. you know. So that's where I'd, I'd rather invest my time and my thoughts yeah. rather than thinking about what the latest and greatest camera is. Mm. Don't get me wrong, new cameras are cool, you know. Um, I don't geek over them, but I think it's pretty amazing what they do. Yeah. You know, if you go back 10 years, like what I got in, in the A7 III is insane compared to what we had 10 years ago, you know. So it's, they're cool, but it's just not something I'm desperate for. 
unless somebody wants to sponsor me and then I'll then I'll suddenly be desperate <laughs> and I think they're the coolest things in the world. But um Are you are you <laughs> looking for a sponsorship? <laughs> No, well, not really. Well, and we all, if someone's going to give you a free yeah. kit, of course. Um, I think, no, genuinely, I think I think what we've got at our fingertips now is, is stupidly good. Mm. It just is. The idea that you can do 4K 120 with, you know, whatever bit rate, um, with a stabilization that is, you know, you, where you don't even need a tripod. Mm. And it can autofocus if you choose to do autofocus. It can recognize someone's eyeball over a dog's eyeball. I know that's crazy. That's scarily. Mm. That's scary to me. That's insanely, insanely good. And it makes it's just I'm I'm just baffled by how that works and how how you can fit that all into a tiny little camera that costs a few thousand pounds. Yeah, you know it's just insane. And I think we take for granted sometimes what we have. And you can see it on Facebook groups, you know, people saying, all I need is 4K 120 and all I need is 12-bit raw. <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> is that, why do you need that? Like, I don't think my Mac can handle raw. Mm. You know, it's kind of, yeah, it's, nobody needs any of that. So I think we've got a little bit silly with it, yeah. but it's amazing nonetheless. You know, it's, it's cool. Mm. It doesn't make for a better film, obviously, but it's, I mean, it's cool. Yeah, yeah true. You know, I, I have to say, I, I, I think... I would like to see like Sony announce some sort of upgrade to their dictaphone. I know that's <laughs> yeah, not sexy. I yeah. know that's not sexy, but to get some, uh, no, that is you know, that is sexy. <laughs> it is sexy. is sexy. If you're listening, Sony one, uh, we'll be ambassadors, even though we don't <laughs> shoot you, but you know, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, imagine yeah. if you had the, if you had the TX 650 with, even just the ability to put a lav yes. in it. Yeah, I know, right? Would that would be next level. Yeah. Or they just changed something. So, I mean, I think the quality's the quality's fine oh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine for what we do. But I think if you had, I don't know, some way of making the audio from a TX50 sound as clean as something that would be really yeah. clean, like a la- like a really good mm-hmm. lav. Yeah. I don't know how that would work, but so they're the game changing stuff. Yeah, four K one twenty is not a game changer. <laughs> you know that's just being able to do four K one twenty. But yeah, I think I don't even know whether they because it's it's addictive on, isn't it? It's not supposed to be for yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's exactly right. all us wedding filmmakers have just sort of stolen it to use it for our purposes. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's yeah. perfect though. I've been well a couple of years ago. Greg and I, you know, started uh, developing this audio recorder that had everything that we kind of needed as wedding uh-huh. photographer, as wedding filmmakers. But I've been waiting for something to come out because it was just yeah. it was just too costly for us to develop it. Yeah, we, we got a wee bit of funding from some yeah. sources, but then it was going to take so much money and so much effort that mm. it wasn't going to be financially viable for us at that time. And slowly some other audio companies have started to implement things that we were like, these would be amazing. So we just need what? someone to put all of them together. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. So I've been waiting for a good audio recorder for a while. Uh, t- talking about capturing audio, how, how do you use your Sonys? Like, do you put one on the groom and the celebrant? Do you mic up the bride? Do you put them on your handheld mics? Everywhere but the bride. Everywhere but the bride. Mm. Yeah. The, it's very rare. I mean, if, if it's a wedding where there's two brides, then... 
yeah, somebody somebody's yeah. gonna have to yeah. wear one. But I have one on the groom, one on the celebrant. Um, if there's a mic, there'll be there'll be one tape to the mic. There'll be one on the lectern. There'll be one on wherever the readings yeah. are. There's one everywhere. Anywhere somebody's speaking, they're going to have a mic either on them or where they're speaking. Some most of the time they'll have one on them and where they're speaking. So let's say they're doing readings and there's four people reading. There'll be a mic attached to let's say the lectern, but they'll all have a mic on yeah. as well. And yeah. that's the benefit of the TX650s. Yeah, I've got a load of them. It's just, you know, as long as I know who's speaking, I'll just pop pop one on them. Dead easy. Yeah, no risk. It's just a case of, you know, get as much audio coverage as possible. They're all on, what's the setting they're on? Is it LPCM? It's, I forget what it is. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So it's, yeah, it's kind of the lowest setting and it's, it's not raw, but it's kind of as, you know, no, no preset basically. Yeah. Have you ever um, had any surprise speeches that you've had to deal with from people that you didn't know were going to speak? Yeah, I get yeah, I get that quite often, actually. How do you deal with that then? Um, so as long as there is one tape to the mic, that's fine. I mean, I'm usually getting an, an audio feed from the board anyway. So that's kind of something that just gets plugged in and I just hit record and I just forget about it all night. It's not something that I'm going to use... I'll use it because sometimes it can be a really good feed, but it's not my focus. My focus is making sure every individual is mic'd. But a feed from the board for me is a nice backup. Yeah. But it's okay if something goes wrong, if the DJ unplugs it or something, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> um, so as long as one's taped to the mic, it's fine. But I've had instances where I've had wedding films where the client doesn't want any audio. They don't want any speeches. Mm. They don't want that narrative. They just want visual. Yeah. I did a big wedding in India um, some years ago. It was a huge wedding, and that's what they wanted. They didn't want any speeches at all. They didn't want any ceremony audio. They didn't want any speeches audio. They just wanted natural sounds and music. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, so there wasn't any speeches until very late on the last night. Mm -hmm. There was some surprise speeches from some of the guests and they were all like really hyper, really drunk. <laughs> and there was some stuff said that was just the coolest stuff because it was very heartfelt and it wasn't, it wasn't, um, you know, prepared. It was just them talking from the heart yeah. and it was some of the best speeches, but it wasn't captured. <sighs> Gun. But you know what? It's fine because that's not what they wanted. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stress about it because it's actually not what they want. So it's irrelevant whether they say the best words. In my head, I'm thinking, if we recorded that, that would have changed the feeling of this film in a in a, in a positive way. Mm. But that's not what I'm paid to yeah. do. You know, they don't want that. So I just didn't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, and I was asked after the wedding. She said, "You know, I didn't expect those speeches. Did you record them?" And I was like, "No, I didn't even have my audio recorders with me." <laughs> Because you said you didn't want them. Yeah. You know, why would I carry them into a desert when, when I don't need them? Yep. You know? Absolutely. So I don't really stress about it, you know? Mm. I, that's a healthy mindset, Richard. That's a healthy mindset. Mm. I, on the other hand, would be yeah. panicking <laughs> for no reason. And I'd, I'd be turning to Greg going, oh, Greg, we probably should have mic'd that up. But Greg, Greg is the sensible person. Yeah. He's the cool head. He's like, they don't want that. Just chill out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So your film, your films are dark and grainy. I love that. That's kind of our aesthetic as well. 
Um, talk about what you post publicly. Because if you go into your website, you know, people might think, oh shit, does this guy only shoot black and white? Just by the thumbnails. <laughs> but I, I love those yeah. thumbnails. And it actually makes me, you know, I always want to see, has he? And then I click on it to watch. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm, 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 I'm digging this. It's not black and white, but... That, that's, that's fine. He's intrigued me enough to click on this video. You smart bastard. But <laughs> so so um, t- talk about what you post publicly compared to like what you might give your clients. So there's no, there's no difference. Certainly for me, I'm confident in that. That what I show on my site is what you could expect. That's just how I. That's how I do things. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I have you know the the real kind of cream of the crop. Um, edits for the site and then other things are a little bit, you know, a little bit less of that. The only reason, you know, we use things for, for our sites is because they just, you know, the speeches are, are nicer or the, the locations a little nicer or the, the lights a lot nicer um, or there's something about that wedding that, that is just different than your normal wedding. Mm. Um, they're the ones that tend to hit our sites. Um, that's our portfolio pieces. Mm-hmm. But those local weddings I might do, or that one in you know October on a Thursday that's 20 minutes from my house and everyone sounds like a Geordie, <laughs> that might not go on my site because you know audibly it doesn't fit with RL Films as a, as a brand I want to show, but there's no difference in terms of quality in that film. You know, I don't have those you know, simple edits for this client and then fancy edits for that client. That doesn't exist mm-hmm. for me. Simply because if you look at how I make a film, it's actually very simple. There's nothing that fancy about what I do. It's just the shots themselves. I'd like to think a shot well. Yeah. So the ingredients are good from the start. So the the end meal is turns out well. Yeah. That's the way I like to look at it. Very cool. So, but the difference between what you're seeing on my site and everything else I do <clears throat> is usually just for me because not every client gets a trailer. So I only really show trailers. Yeah. So if a client's booking me for, let's say, just a short edit, which is eight minutes, I'm, that's never going to go online because it, eight minutes is too long, really, to go online. Mm. I think I have one that's eight minutes online. I think the Lake Como edit's eight minutes. But I very rarely put longer edits on my portfolio. So a lot of my couples who, who book me for just the eight-minute film and no and no trailer, they, they won't go online, you know? Oh. If it's something that's a real, like, I think, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna do my own trailer for this because I love this wedding. And there's a few that I'm going to do that for. Now I've got a bit, a bit of time to do it. Yeah. And they're going to go on the site. But, yeah, it's there's no difference in terms of quality from what's on the site and what's off the site. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it'd be a bit strange if there was a difference because then people are going to book you for what they see and then they're not going to get that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think that, that that mindset right there is the reason why, you know, it's taken Greg and I so long to find another shooter who we who we use for our films. Like, right. usually it's just Greg and I, but if obviously if there's two weddings on one day, then we'll split up. But, it, it you know, it was, it was years before we found our um, our third camera guy. But it was for that very reason, because obviously we were very protective about the style and what we give clients. We didn't want to, you know split up the team and to say, okay, you go for this one because it's more of a portfolio wedding and, you know, half the team will do this one, but, you know. Yeah, it just wouldn't feel right. Yeah, yeah. There's always going to be a difference between, there's there's always going to be a difference between kind of 
let's say there's a wedding in, I don't know, Tuscany in July, beautiful weather, incredible sunsets, you know, amazing vistas, you know, the valley's incredible. American couple, they always have their own personal vows. The words are going to be very heartfelt. There is a difference between that wedding and a wedding in, you know, Glasgow Centre. Yeah. Or Newcastle or, you know, Hull. There's a difference. As harsh as that is, there is a visual difference. There just is. Mm. So one might hit your sight and one won't. But for me, my approach to both weddings is the same. And it shouldn't visually look any different. If you stripped out the audio, visually you'll see exactly the same approach to light, framing, um, and edit. You'll see the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, some jobs you're going to get you're going to get more creative shots. You might get more time with the client. You might get better sunsets, and you're going to get more visually stunning things to work with. But I'm certainly, you know, there's no half-assed approach for some weddings and full approach for others. That's that would be weird. Yeah, that wouldn't be nice. Uh, yeah, you I know? can. You couldn't lever yourself taking that approach. No, yeah, that, yeah. no, that's a shitty thing to do. You know. Yeah. Mm. If I'm going to be there, I'm just going to give it, you know, I'm just going to do what I do. I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to, you know, have good crack with the clients, make sure they're enjoying the day and deliver a nice film. You know, mm-hmm. um, not everything's a portfolio piece. That's fine. But if it's, if it's not a portfolio piece, it definitely doesn't mean that it looks bad. It just means it doesn't fit everything that it needs to fit. You know, some of my favorite weddings are portfolio pieces, mm. you know. With Jack was designed from the ground up and is tailored specifically for creatives. Whether you provide a service like design, development or photography or offer advice to clients, With Jack is for you. It's focused on creatives. Insurance shouldn't be complicated, so With Jack has made every step easy. You'll deal with one form and talk to one Jack as you sign up, get covered and move on with your day. With Jack is all about bespoke insurance for creatives. Simple. That doesn't mean more forms or faff, it means less. It's not about endless features and stale service. It's about one solid policy and the personal touch. Bye-bye, unnecessary fuss, hello, creative-friendly insurance. Be a confident creative. So yeah, a few weeks ago, you did a talk in the UK Wedding Filmmakers Facebook group, and it was titled Pricing for Growth. So what does pricing for growth actually mean to you? To me, it means when people want to charge more money, because let's face it, most people, that's the question they ask. You know, how do I get better clients? How do I charge more money? Everybody only wants to pay 1,200 quid. How do I get to two grand? How do I get to three grand? Pricing for growth is is just a way of pricing, a way of thinking about your business where you can actually grow to the price you want rather than just, you know, there's a lot of advice that says, you know, well, if you if you're twelve hundred, then you need you need to then jump to fifteen, or then jump to seventeen, or then jump to this. And having that fixed price approach is ridiculous. Um, genuinely, I think it's ludicrous to have a fixed price. Um, I think it should be yeah. You, you should know where you want to get to in terms of the balance of your year, how much money you want to bring in versus how much work you want to do for that money. Um, and whichever thing comes first, you know, you might be driven by your turnover and profit, or you might be driven by the balance in terms of workload, whichever drives you first. 
Um, but hopefully you can figure out what your balance is, you know, your perfect year in terms of workload and finance, figure out what you need to charge to get there, um, to get to that stage. And then the price of growth is about working your way to that price. It's a very fluid thing. It's, it's something that is, it's, it's not static in any way, shape or form. Um, and it's about taking the opportunities where they you know, and seeing the opportunities everywhere you possibly can to be able to get to that point um, and to have that balance. Pricing for growth actually isn't about pricing. It's about the balance. Yeah. Um, and, and there's just, I don't know, there's just lots of conversation around. Like you said in the beginning, if anybody talks about pricing, this is a weird one. And, and no doubt, like, you know, there'll be people spitting on me for saying this, but if you go on any Facebook group that's not American, Americans like to talk about money yeah. Yeah. in a different way, though. They're, they're a little different. But um, generally, anyway, I've, I'm not generalizing. Um, I don't want to generalize Americans. That's all all Americans but, are the um, same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that, but generally, the the bigger video groups that are a larger percentage of Americans, they have a different conversation around money. But for us, certainly for people listening from kind of UK and Europe, it's a little different. I would say when you start talking about what people charge, let's say someone says, like, I want to know what's, what's realistic, what's possible, what does everyone charge? And everyone puts their prices out. But the second someone says a price that sounds high, then they'll be shot down. You're not allowed to say that. Because you're showing off. Yeah. That's what people think. Mm. So the second someone says, well, you know, I charge 17 and someone says I charge 13 and someone says I charge 900 and someone says, you know, I've got myself up to 2-2, two, two, that's fine. That's acceptable. That conversation is acceptable. But when someone says, you know, my, I charge an average of five and, you know, it can be as high as 10, then you're just trying to wave your dick around. Yeah. <laughs> And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're going to get people jumping on saying, oh, well, you're just showing off or you're just this or you're... And so so those people who do charge a solid amount of money, they don't enter those conversations anymore. Mm. You know, um, I, I've, I stopped entering those conversations as eagerly as I used to because I got some... I actually got some really nasty messages and it was like, you know what? Fuck you. Like this sounds awful. Sorry for swearing, but it's um, it's it's kind of if I'm going to have that conversation, which for me is an honest, straight up conversation to help as many people as I can help. And anyone who knows me knows I'll be I'll have those conversations for hours on end because it's it's deep rooted in coming from a place where I was financially really really stressed mm-hmm. to now not being stressed financially, and it's a very it's a it's a wonderful thing not to have to worry about money. And that doesn't mean I'm a millionaire, but it means currently I don't have to panic about money. And that's a really nice place to be. And I would like more people who work in our industry to charge more money Mm -hmm. Um, and actually realize this isn't about worth. It's not about what video is worth because it's worth what someone's going to pay. Yeah. Yeah. But when you actually start doing the numbers, we should be charging more money. Um, we hundred percent should be charging more money. So that conversation should be allowed to happen online. It's a professional space or should be a professional space. So when someone jumps in and says, 
you know, the highest I've got was 11,000 or 15,000 or 9,000 or 6,000, whatever. Don't be offended at that price. Don't be offended or think that they're just waving their dick around because they're not. Because nobody's charging that for every wedding. That doesn't exist. There is no one in, in this industry that is charging, you know, 10K for every single wedding. You just trust me, there isn't. The, their brand might tell you they are. It's bullshit. Nobody is charging 10 grand for every wedding. They're just not. They're not doing 30 weddings or 20 weddings. They might be doing three. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want that conversation to happen. You know, like, I just want that conversation to be easier and without any prejudice and without any, you know, telling someone they're just showing off mm-hmm. and also without telling someone they don't charge enough. You know, when someone says they're only 800 pounds and then loads of people jump on saying you need to charge more, it's like, well, no shit. <laughs> you know, like they need to charge more, but let, let's not just point the finger. Let's just have the conversation and figure out how we can all do it. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It gets, you can kind of, I guess, tell by the tone of my voice. It's, it's something I'm, I'm genuinely passionate about. Yeah. Um, because it's a life-changing thing. You know, if you go from earning, I don't know, 25, 30 grand turnover and working your ass off every weekend at a wedding to then suddenly turning over 85 grand from 10 weddings, that's that's a different life. Yeah. You're living a different life, you know. Um, and then you can go, if, wherever you go from there, you could be turning over 150, 250,000 pounds then you can, you know, you can build a studio, you can build multiple teams, you can whatever. But yeah, it's life changing stuff, mm. you know? Yeah. I don't know about you guys. I don't want to shoot every weekend. You know, I, I want to have a life, mm. you know? Um, you want to enjoy those beaches. I, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, but also, I mean, you mentioned, you know, the way you run your business, mm. you have obviously that, that, that little bit of security blanket, that allows you to ride out these sort of weathers, right? Yeah. yeah. Now you can only do that if you charge enough. Yeah. Yes. You can't. Yeah. Do, you, you simply can't do that and live if you're not charging enough. You know, like if you're charging, you know, let's say somebody's charging a thousand pound a wedding, and they're turning over, I don't know, forty thousand a year, but they're actually you, you can't pay yourself that much money because it costs quite a lot of money to do 40 weddings. There's a lot of travel, there's a lot of costs. And then you pay, obviously you, you, you're taxed, you pay yourself. You're probably not keeping a lot of money in the business. You know, mm. the one thing the pandemic's shown, there's actually quite a lot of people that only have one or two months worth of money. Yeah. That, that scares me. Yeah, definitely. That's scary. Yeah. That's really scary. And some of these people have been in business a long time. And some of these people have got very good reputations online and still only have a couple of months worth of money in the bank. Mm. You know, it's like how you run your business, you know, and that's, that's not a dig in any way or shape or form because everyone has their own thing going on. But I think if you want to run a business and have some security in that business, then you have to charge good money. Yeah, absolutely. You have to. Yeah. You mentioned the sort of the people who are having conversations and they're sort of saying to the person who's charging, say, £800, like, oh, you're not charging enough. And that's, I don't think that's coming from a sort of angry point of view. It's more like, a, oh, you're good enough to be charging more. But it's probably yeah. that person's just not confident 
in their work or their life yeah. position doesn't allow them the freedom to charge what a bit more. What would you say is some of the sort of main struggles that people have with regards to pricing? I, I, firstly, I totally agree with what you just said. It's not a, it's not a dig. Um, there, there can be. Sometimes people say, you know, you, you're too cheap and you're ruining the industry. That's a ridiculous conversation. Yeah. It doesn't ruin the I think for the most part, it is a, it's a more positive thing. It's saying, hey, look, you're, you're better than that. You, your work can achieve a certain amount more. I agree with that. I think the challenge people have is you're going to charge what it's, – it's about your relationship with money. That's what it is. When I first started, my very first full payment for a wedding, after I did the first one or two for like a promo, the first one was I think it was eleven fifty. And the only reason I charged eleven fifty was because the people who were already kind of, you know, the well-known ones in the area who did wedding video, they were nine nine nine, and I thought, well, I'm better than them. <laughs> it's a tall, arrogant thing to say, but it was kind of I knew my shooting was better, mm. so it was like, well, I'm going to be more expensive than them, and that was my entire outlook on pricing. It's, it's ridiculous, but I think when people charge a lot less. I think it's a lot of it's down to their relationship with money because 800 might sound like a lot when the reality is it's not, Yeah. Mm. but it's just your relationship and your, I guess your um, understanding of your business and understanding how much that 800 actually is when it's split up into all the different elements it needs to be split up into. And you understand how much you're actually going to pay yourself from that 800 pounds. It's just a little bit of a, a lack of experience, which is fine because everybody needs to grow, but you know, a lack of experience and maybe it's your, your relationship with money. Mm. Do, do you think there's an aspect of, of fear as well in there? Like maybe people are too scared to of raise course, their prices because, yeah. well, maybe they'll get judged by other people in the industry and then maybe, maybe I'm just not going to book any clients if I do this. I think the main worry is that I'm not going to get booked. Yeah. Um, the main worry is that, you know, the booking will be different. I'm not getting the same rate of reply. I'm not getting the same, you know, my 2021 season isn't booked up yet and it normally would be. Mm. It's a risk. Anything to do with increasing your prices, it becomes a risk. It's all about risk management. It's about how much risk you can take without panicking, shitting a brick and putting your prices back to low. Mm. You know, that's, that's all that this is, you know, I mean, I don't. I don't get most of the inquiries that come through. I don't. I don't get them. Yeah. I don't book them because I'm too expensive. So I have to take a risk. So when someone, you know, and you've got to measure it on all the information that you've got. But when someone comes through and they're getting married, in, I'll give you a real example. Uh, the inquiry came through a recommendation from a good friend of mine, um, who I know charges a good. I'd say about f for this wedding, probably four to six thousand as a photographer. Um, so solid budget for a creative person to come and shoot the wedding. So there's an expectation that video is going to be along those lines. Yeah. Beautiful venue. Um, great location. Just everything about it was going to be, it just sounds beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I pitched it as I would pitch cause I'm, I'm, I'm pitching it for a, like a, a job I want. So I'm pitching this wedding. It's a two day wedding. So I'm pitching kind of what I want to do for it, kind of what I would, how I approach things. And, and then I give them the price and it's too expensive and their budget's 900 pounds. <laughs> it's probably a hundred plus thousand pound wedding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
um, minimum, and their budget's 900 quid. So you can never really, you know, <laughs> it's a risk. You can never really kind of figure out like what people are going to pay. Mm. But lots of times where I've pitched at like four grand and their budget's only two and I've, I've just turned that down and, or I've pitched at, you know, 10 grand and their budget's like a lot, lot lower. Um, and I'm kind of thinking, okay, well, what can we work out? You know, because 10 grand was like, that was my high pitch. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of, you know, it, you're risking not getting the wedding. Um, and it's all a risk at the end of the day. And that's kind of what that pricing for growth is. Mm-hmm. It's about taking those risks to get to where you want to be. Uh, there has to be those risks along the way. And it's how much you can weather those risks. But when people charge 800 or 900 or whatever it is, sub 1,000, and they're scared to go higher, it's just because they're scared to risk. Yeah. And all it is is you just need, if you know if you can have that pot of change to kind of ease that risk, then you would take more risks. But people who charge £800 probably don't have a large pot to play with. Mm. So, yeah, it's just a mindset about money, kind of, I don't know. Like you said, you you know, you know, have that pot of money that kind of can sustain you for this you know period. The only way you can get that is that you run a business properly and you understand how much you can touch. Yeah, You're not really doing that when you charge £800. Mm. really you just you kind of not you know you there's you can't unless you're working two weddings every weekend and i don't know how anyone can do that but yeah it's kind of it's just your idea of money and in the fear of charging more like if te- if six thousand seven thousand whatever sounds crazy if anyone's listening let's say and they hear that you know that people can charge six thousand seven thousand ten thousand fifteen thousand for a wedding if that sounds crazy, then you're right. It is, but it's happening all the time. Yeah, uh-huh. it happens all the time. So if you want to get in on it, Philly Boots, get in on it. Mm-hmm. But don't be scared to to increase your pricing. You know, absolutely not. And like you say, there'll be people out there. I know lots of people who are charging. I'd say sub seventeen, mm-hmm. and they're doing gorgeous work. Yeah, gorgeous work. You know. And there's no reason whatsoever why they can't be putting higher prices out. Mm. Well, even so we've actually on the odd occasion been asked whether we'd consider dropping our prices from other professionals. From what? So, if it was like a photographer doing an elopement, say, we've been asked, "You have have you ever considered lowering your prices so that you can book these clients?" Which I thought was right. an interesting one, but then. I don't know. I, I've had discussions with people, and there seems to be this morality clause with money, uh, yes. which, which I find quite interesting. Lower your prices so that it's fair for more people. So, so it's just equal for everyone that that they have the ability to book your services, and it's just fair for everyone. What's, what's your thoughts on that kind of morality right. that people put with money? If you have so. One? This is a weird one, isn't it? Because I had something, this is a while ago now, and I was in a, well, I still am, but it's a Facebook group, uh, more locally driven. And there was a conversation around fixed pricing versus flexible pricing. Mm-hmm. And what was, my, I'd said mine's flexible. And I was accused of not running a professional business, which 
Mm. Like I jumped on because that's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, it, I, it, it got a, a little bit fiery, mm-hmm. but um, their idea was that if you're charging a different amount of money for, you know, for some weddings, then essentially you're kind of ripping someone off because you're charging more. Uh-huh. Right. And I, I understand that kind of thought process. It's completely wrong, by the way, but it's I understand why someone would say it. But my my rebuttal to that was okay. Well, if some weddings you include travel, like if you let's say you're a videographer or a photographer and you've got travel within the UK included, then you're charging different prices for every wedding. Yep. Because travel to the local venue is different than travel to London. For let's say me or you. Yeah. Yep. It's a few hundred pounds difference. So that means the end product is essentially less money you're taking in. So you are taking in different prices for every wedding. You just don't, you, the way you're pitching it sounds like you're not. Mm. So for me personally, I'm looking at every wedding almost like a commercial job. So what's needed for this job? What do I need to do? Where do I need to travel to? What needs shooting? You know, I've said this often that, you know, this, the reason I don't work on an hourly rate, 10 hours in, let's say, Wynyard Hall, which is about seven minutes drive from my house, everything happens on site. You can park next to the front door. I know everyone in there. Um, you know, you get fed well. It's easy. It's all one level. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful venue. It's a, it's, it's a very simple day to shoot. There's lots of spaces, lots of opportunities to get shots. It's a very simple day. Plus, I'm home in seven minutes. Yeah, Those 10 hours are much different to 10 hours in central London with three ceremonies, multicultural, um, two dress changes. It's still only 10 hours. They're the same 10 hours in terms of hours, Mm. but you will work infinitely harder in London with those three ceremonies four locations, Ubers everywhere. You're going to work your ass off for that wedding. Mm-hmm. It's still only 10 hours though. There's a difference between those two weddings. You're going to work infinitely harder for that wedding in London. Mm-hmm. So you price accordingly for that work. And that's just the way it's done. Yeah. Or certainly the way I do it. You know, I'm looking at what that wedding is and what's required for that wedding. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's just how I do it. You know, um, that's why I don't think fixed pricing works because how much do you really put your prices up every season? Probably not a lot. Yeah. So for me, I mean, let's say you're, let's say you're 1500. Let's say there's anyone listening. Let's say you're 1500 and you would like to, because you've thought about the balance, you'd like to get to around 3000. That's what you're thinking in your head for whatever reason. So you think, okay, um, I'm going to put my prices up, let's say £250 a season. That's going to take you years yeah. to get to three grand. Yes. And it has done, Richard. It's taken um, us by years. By that time, your goal <laughs> have changed. You're going to be like, okay, now I want to be charging this. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Never ending so by chase. Time, might be, let's say you're 25 years old. By the time you get there, you might be married with kids. Yep. So then your goals totally changed. Your priorities have totally changed. You might have a mortgage by then. You might, you might not. I don't know. But yeah, your priorities change and your idea of, of, of kind of that money changes. So it doesn't make sense for me to, you know, to, for people to have a static price. Don't get me wrong, though. 
most weddings are going to be roughly the same price. Yeah. You know, that doesn't mean there's like wild card weddings. It doesn't mean that one minute I'm charging 15 and the next minute I'm charging 10. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, I have pricing. Mm -hmm. It's just not 100% static. I'm always trying to push that envelope of kind of what's achievable. And some weddings, truthfully, I'm looking at it thinking that's a lot of work. You know, that's a heck of a lot of work mm. that's going to have to be done. Um, what do I want to charge for that for that wedding? Like, you know, sometimes it's just a heck of a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, what did, what did, I listened to your, um, the Facebook live you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, you mentioned pricing on there. What, did, what, what are you charging at the moment? So we've got a base price that sort of, if it's a general sort of wedding that we know the just of how it will go, the base price usually starts at 2995 and then uh-huh. sort of similar to you, it will be flexible from there onwards. And we've got like add-ons that people can add on. But for a general run-of-the-mill wedding that you're sort of used to, that's where we'd roughly start. Mm. So is yours, when you say roughly, is, it, is yours on your site? Is it fixed? No, it's not on the site. So it's on our end, it's completely flexible. Yeah. But we sort of, Good. in our heads, it's like, that's our sort of minimum or base price. Mm. But yeah. to the client, it's it could be anything. See, for me, the ability to be flexible is key. So, and that means upwards or downwards. Mm-hmm. You know, that means that means both ways. I mean, look at the situation we're in at the moment. Nobody is doing weddings. Well, they're just about starting small weddings now. You do a lot of elopements though, right? So. Yeah. You know, you still have the opportunity to, to do those, I guess. But yeah, it's kind of most weddings are not happening. So money coming in, like we said, there's, there is no cash flow. It doesn't exist anymore. So there may be opportunities where, you know, a smaller wedding is taking place and the videographer can't do it for whatever reason. And their budget's, you know, two and a half grand. But it's for a wedding that you may in normal circumstances want to charge four grand for. It could be that you go, you know what? It's, it's probably a good time to do this. Yeah. yeah. It's two and a half thousand in a year where we're not making any money whatsoever. So it could be a reason to do it. It's kind of, it's about being flexible both ways, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or there could be just a, a really good opportunity to work with a particular supplier, you know, I'll work with a particular planner, let's say, and their budget isn't, you know, the client's budget might be a thousand pound less than what you would normally charge, but this is a maybe it's a supplier that you really wanted to work with. Mm-hmm. And it's there's more to it than just that wedding. It could be, well, actually, I really want to build a good relationship with these suppliers. Yeah. And this is an opportunity to do it. There's loads of different reasons why you would take a little less or charge a bit more. You know, there's lots of different reasons. As long as that is kind of calculated and there's an understanding of why you're doing it. Um I think for most people, though, the most important thing is to book weddings. And I think the booking of the wedding can get quite addictive. It did for me. Uh You know, I wanted wanted to get the booking. You know, I wanted to, you know, if I'm chatting to a client, um, you know, I want to make sure that they book. And, and And sometimes the price, this was going back some years now, but the price kind of got relevant, which is ridiculous. But... I just wanted the booking because it was the booking that made me feel like I was doing well. Yeah. Which is crazy. 
I mean, that particular year, we're going back some years now, but I think that year I shot 57 weddings. Um, oh, <laughs> which was awful. You know, that, yeah. that many weddings for me, it's just, it's not good. Mm. Um, but I was just, I was just really addicted to the booking. I felt like I was doing well. You know, it made me feel like I was doing well. Yeah. Um, because well, I was busy. Yeah, it is quite funny, actually, because you do, because we are a kind of in a culture that is kind of averse to talking about money, you do, you know, like, oh, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, good. How's your bookings looking? That, that's what people talk about with regards yeah. to success. Are your bookings good? But in actual fact, like you said, the, the number of bookings isn't exactly equated to how successful you're being. Exactly, you know, mm. um, and that's that's exactly it. You know, it's um, being busy is seen as good. Um, yeah. You know, when someone says, you know, you've got, you know, if I said I've got 57 weddings for 2021 or I'm fully booked for 2021, it's kind of like a badge of honor. It's like, oh, well done. Oh, you must be in demand. But <laughs> nobody's really having that conversation of, well, all right, so what's, you know, what's the turnover going to be like? And actually, what's the profit going to be like? Because that's the most important thing. And yeah. Yeah. how much are you, you know, that's a conversation that we never have because that's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why those conversations don't really kind of go too well online. Yeah. But it's just that kind of badge of honor that, you know, I'm busy and I'm booked, so I must be good. You know, for me, I would love to measure it. You know, how much time are you spending not working? Yeah. Sounds like a lazy thing to say, but like if, if, if the measurement, if we could f- snap my fingers and, and the, the true measure of success was how much time you didn't have to work, I think it would be different. We'd think of things differently, mm. you know, but we don't live in that world. We live in a world where if you're working every day and the busier you are, the more successful you are. I just don't really think that's true. <clears throat> I just don't, you know, mm. um, I'm not saying, you know, that I don't admire, you know, that sort of hard work because I do. But I think, for me, the measure of success m- looks more like how in control you are of your time. And if something else or somebody else is, is controlling your time, i.e. you have to get these edits done now because you've got another 10 to do next week, then you're not in control of your time. Yeah. I think the more you can control your own time to decide what you do and when you do it, I think you're having more success. Does that make sense? No, totally. And yeah, I, yeah I'm, I, I'm in 100% agreement. Yep. So yeah, that's kind of how I, you know, that's what I think around, you know, kind of being busy anyway. Um, uh-huh. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know people who are, I know people who really understand their product. Um, I know photographers locally who are a thousand pound or less who do 60 plus weddings a year and that's where their value is. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, they're that kind of shoot and burn. They don't, you know, they're not kind of editing with the coolest presets. They're not trying to get their photography on looks like film. They're not, they don't care about any of that stuff. Yeah. What they care about is, you know, running a business, delivering professional clean images to their clients quickly. Um, and they shoot in three weddings a week, you know, 12 grand a month coming in, even in the winter, um, running a good business, living in a nice home, bringing up a beautiful family, spending time with the kids. Like that is, that's, a, that's, that's amazing. You know, that's, that is what for them, that's what life is about. 
it's just I think sometimes we get caught up in, you know, the how many followers we followers we have on Instagram or you know all the all the bullshit. Yeah. Um. You know, and in this pandemic, what it's what it's definitely shown me is those there is people who are Instagram famous, uh, or in our industry anyway. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, people who are kind of big names who have no money, but I can show you people who are no names. You will not know who they are and their work won't blow you away and they're fine. Yeah. You know, mm. running a successful business and running a yeah. successful business, yeah. not being stressed out financially, you know, spending time with a beautiful family, enjoying life, um, working hard, no doubt. Um, but not being caught up in the bullshit and actually just, yeah, running a good business. Now, if you were to, you know, if you didn't look at the whole picture and you were to just look at who is more successful, quite often we fall for the glitz, don't we? We kind of be like, oh, well, this person is because he's shooting all over the world and yeah, the rock you know, stars. Or his videos look like this. Mm. Sometimes it's not. It's not the case. Yeah, I, I have a lot of respect for people who just run a good business yeah. and have a really nice balance in their life. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of, and I think that is an age thing, I'll be honest, but I have a lot of time and respect for that. You know, someone who doesn't get caught up in all the, all the jazz and just kind of knuckles down, runs a good business, you know, has a good financial pot, you know, in the business, has a good savings, has, you know, a good life, good balance, and isn't really concerned with all the jazz. I've got a lot of time for that. And that's, that's the one thing that stood out for me in all of this, you know, pandemic stuff. Um, it's definitely stood out kind of who is doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's inspiring to be honest, you know? And then when you talk about, you know, kind of your creativity mode, you're going and, and like, yeah, we want to do that. We want to create our best work and we want to, you know, we want, we want our colleagues in the industry to kind of see that. And it's nice to get that pat on the back and, that that's nice stuff. I'm not going to say that's not nice, mm. but I think there's a real thing going on, which is just running a business, having a good balance and not having all of those stresses and worries about, you know, financially what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and from what I've read and certainly the people I've spoken to, a lot of people have kind of realized that this year that they need to run their business better. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have said that. Yeah. I'd, I'd be, yeah. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that is, um, what's going through people's minds. I do worry that people are going to just get back to normal life and be like, well, that happened. Probably not going to happen for a while. And then just go back to normal, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it going to happen. Yeah. I worry about that in our industry. I worry about that with like the economy and, you know, just the world in general. You know, there's a lot of talk that 2021 is going to be a bumper year. And I think for a lot of people that might be already fully booked um, and it, on paper, it looks like it's going to be. Um, and I hope it is, you know, I do hope it is, but I think, I don't think things are over. Um, I think 2021 will probably look a little different than people think. Yeah. I think yeah. 2022 probably is going to be the more like, normal, yeah. but I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm no expert, so, you know, who knows? Um <laughs> I think what's happening, though, people are trying to make up for the loss of 2020 mm. in 2022. So I think there's going to be a lot of people doing a heck of a lot more work. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's not, I'm not necessarily trying to make up the loss. Mm-hmm. It's just, a, it's a loss for me. I mean, I'm going to make up a bit, but it, in my head, it's a loss. Mm. I'm going to do, I'm probably going to do more weddings next year than I normally would. 
So it's kind of just balanced it out a bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah. in my head, you know, it's it's a loss. You know, yeah. this year is, it's, you know, it's, I'm going to lose something this year. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not fine, but it's, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. How, how many weddings on average do you tend to shoot? Um, between 15 and 20. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. So this year was supposed to be 18. I'll have probably ended on maybe 20, 21, 22, something like that. But Mm. I had 18 in. My bookings tend to be later on in the year they come in. They're quite short notice, my bookings, within, I would say, three to six months. Yeah. I normally head head into a new year, like heading to a new calendar year. January, I usually have around about four or five bookings in. Mm. And then through the year, I end up with, you know, 15 to 20. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where with the experience and knowing your numbers, having the pot available, you're confident knowing that you don't need to chase bookings when you're at that number. You can go into the year going, I know they will come because they Mm. usually book this far out. Yeah. Yeah. Where most people would. uh, And I think, I, I think that's because a large percentage of the clients that I'm getting they just have the budget to get married instantly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, their engagements are not, you know, two years long. So quite often when they've decided they're going to get married, they're getting married in three months because they have the funds to do it. Yeah. So they're only looking for suppliers then because they've only just decided to get married. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why it's quite late in the day that I get booked. Not always like that. Sometimes it's just clients have realized they want a video and, you know, they, they book. But um, just historically, that's how it's worked for me. Yeah. You know, I've never had my season booked up before the years come in. I've, that's never been the case for me. Mm. I understand that, that would make yeah. someone, you know, feel a little bit more co- uh, comfortable. If you know your entire season next year is booked, that's quite a nice thing, right? Knowing that the money's there. Oh, yeah. That's quite nice. I've just never had that. Yeah. It's just not been how it's done for me. So you're right, having that safety net is important uh, especially if you want to take the risks you know and charge more money then yeah it's important one thing yeah. with pricing that i feel should be sort of talked about is that if you're getting if you're not sort of converting your inquiries and booking they shouldn't get sort of downheartened because so much of it comes down to how much like the client don't know how much they should be paying so in their head no. they set a budget and don't know what that's based off of, maybe Facebook groups, but so much of it comes down to how much they value the wedding film. Like the example you gave earlier, where the couple clearly had the budget to spend, like they had the finances to spend a lot of money on it, but they'd valued it at way less. Mm. So if you're getting rejections, it's not always because your pricing is wrong because there's no right price. We've established that. (laughs) But a lot of it comes down to what they value the memories and the film as. Yeah, I mean, it's it's never because of, you know, that it's never to do with you. I mean, obviously, there's going to be crazy instances where you, you work, you're asking, you might be asking 20 grand and your work's not even worth a thousand. <laughs> like, I don't know whether that's like out there, but it's never to do with, you know, that you're too expensive. And if a client says you're too expensive, what that means is we can't afford you. Yeah, you're too expensive um, for them. Or we don't yeah. value it as much to pay that. Mm. Um, and that's fine, you know, like the client who has, you know, 900 pounds, 700 pounds or whatever to, to spend on a video when they're spending thousands and thousands on everything else. That's totally fine. I'm not offended by that. My reply to that was, look, 
what I'd suggest you do is spend that money on prints with your photographer. Mm. That was my advice because I don't, I mean, I, I don't know anyone I can recommend for that price yeah. firstly, but also I wouldn't want someone who charges that much is either been in business a long time and does the type of work that maybe wouldn't go with that wedding. I know that sounds harsh to say, but you know, I'm going to jump to that conclusion or they're just starting out. And for me, I know the photographer and I know how they work. So it's kind of, I can't recommend, well, I don't know anyone to recommend, but I wouldn't want to recommend someone who doesn't know what they're doing in terms of experience, who is then going to be working with this photographer and that photographer is not going to have a good experience either. Mm. So I've kind of said to them, look, just spend 700 pounds on prints, you know, like yeah. the product you're going to get from 700 pound videographer is probably not going to match the kind of aesthetics of your wedding. Mm -hmm. Probably, you know? So that was my advice. It was also me saying, look, your budget's way too low. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was kind of a nice, polite way of saying, you're nuts. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're asking someone to travel halfway around the world to shoot for 15 hours. You want ceremony speeches and a 15-minute film. You're crazy. Yeah. You know, like, that, but you can't say that, obviously. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, just generally hint. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, it's, it's never, you know, if a client says, you know, you're too expensive, you're not, mm -hmm. they just kind of, you. yeah. Um, Does that, they don't value enough. So when we are pricing, when we mentioned about pricing, I know a few of our Scottish listeners are probably thinking, yeah, that they're, they're probably at the higher end of the Scottish market. Does your location kind of determine the price that you can max out your services for? Mm. And is that is that the reason why you do destinations? Or is that, because I know I've had this conversation with a few people, oh, well, they're only doing, you know, of course they can charge think, 10 grand. They're doing destination weddings. I, I think so much of that depends on, if you want to only work around your local area, maybe then it does. Mm. If you want to work further afield and will travel, then it doesn't affect it. Mm. Again, it's, it, it boils down to that balance. <clears throat> so for me, so your question is basically, is like, does location affect obviously the, the ceiling price? Well, it's kind of yes and no. I don't believe there's a ceiling price in any area. I don't. Yeah. My two, two most expensive weddings I've ever done, one was London and one was Glasgow. So I'm presuming, you know, let's say Scotland, mm -hmm. if you're telling me there's like, you know, a, an average you know, and there's there's like a ceiling price that, you know, clients will only pay a certain amount. Well, where's that come from? It's come from you. Yeah. Mm. And every other wedding videographer. Yep. You know, because you've set that price, you know, if, if there is a ceiling price, which I don't 100% agree with, but if there is a ceiling price or, or an average that people will pay, it's primarily because the industry has set that price. Mm -hmm. um, or, and that's because people want the bookings. You know, so they kind of drove it down and drove it down to a degree. At a, you know, yes, there's other things at play. Let's not be silly. There's, there's, you know, there's average income of areas. There's, you know, generally speaking, if you want to work a wedding most weekends and do those 35, 40 weddings a year, then yeah, you're going to have to charge, you know, something in line with what the average person be, can can afford. Yeah, mm -hmm. that just that's just an equation that makes sense, right? That's just simple maths. But then is that I'm urging people to think about their balance. The only reason I do destination weddings or travel for weddings, whether it be travel within the UK or, or out, is is because it maintains my balance. So if I can do 
two weddings a month instead of four weddings a month, it doesn't matter where that wedding is in the world. It means I'm only doing those two weddings. Yeah. It means for two weekends, I'm not shooting, mm. you know, and I have things I like doing, you know, it gives me that balance. It means in the winter, I don't have to shoot a lot of weddings in the winter. So I can focus on the brand. I can focus on edits. or I can focus on spending time with my girlfriend or, or being at the beach with the dog or whatever. Mm-hmm. It gives me that balance. But if you want to be local for whatever reason, then yeah, there's going to have to be some understanding what that, you know, that local price is. But you then have to figure out, well, actually, do you want to be that guy locally who absolutely kills it because he's the best videographer locally? Because that's, that's an option. Everybody has that option. So that one of the weddings in Glasgow was um, just out of the centre. And I've shot all of the weddings for this family now. And it was one of the most, at the time anyway, not now, but at the time, it was the most I'd, be, I'd gotten from a wedding. I worked incredibly hard for that wedding. But I'm presuming, you know, that area is probably, you know, people don't pay that much. Usually, maybe, I don't know. I mean, what's the average in Scotland at the moment? don't know actually for videos i think people sort of guessing because i don't know what other people are charging but i think people set like 2500 as a sort of target or whatever but i okay. think the average is probably lower than that mm. yes but again i don't i don't actually know see two and a half is strong though yeah there, yeah but that's only with the people that we know and have connections with obviously there's a whole bunch of suppliers who don't go anywhere near that number yeah, of course. Well, yeah. It also depends on what you're delivering. You know, like I can deliver, um, I've got weddings, hopefully that are still going to go ahead this year where they, um, where their budget was two and a half, just over two and a half, but they're getting a three minute film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so it's kind of, again, it's the balance thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's for this, it's a, it's a great location. Um, good suppliers and they just want a three minute film. No, they just want music. You know, so it's a fairly simple film to make, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's it's still solid, like solid money. You know, it's it is, you know, it's it, it's it's not a hugely long day. Um, so it's worth it for me. Yeah. Again, it's having that flexibility to go up or down. Mm-hmm. So normally I would, for a three minute edit, I started 3000. Um, and then it goes up to, you know, if you add on the speeches and ceremony and you might yeah. want to. 15 minute edit, then it starts getting up to the bigger numbers. But sometimes clients just want a three minute film. Yep. Yeah. You know, so being able to be flexible both ways is important, but locally, like I'm, I'm based in Teesside, um, near Durham. So it's a very, you know, it's a working class area. Um, I wouldn't say that it's, you know, it's got pockets of wealth for sure. Like every, everywhere, but in general, the budgets are very low, but some of my most expensive weddings have been locally. You know, but I'm not going to get them every week. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So like you say, you've got to just figure out, you know, where do you want to work? What's your balance going to be? How much money do you want to bring in? And if somebody wants to bring in 80,000 and only work locally, then yeah, the numbers are going to look a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But whatever it needs to be, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think this has been like really insightful for a lot of people listening mm. and wrapping up. We always like to sort of ask, do you have any book recommendations for anyone listening, whether it be to do with finances or business, filmmaking, anything? So for me, in terms of books, um, I don't have any whatsoever to do with finance. I'm like, I'm not a finance guy at all. Yeah. Um, 
if you want to learn about finance stuff, I'm sure there's a lots and lots of stuff out there. For me, it's like I said at the very beginning, it, the way I even make the films is I just want to keep things really, really simple. So in terms of finance, just I don't have any book recommendations. I would, I would recommend just sitting down and having a conversation with whoever's in your life, <clears throat> whether it be if you're married, if you've got a partner, if you live with someone, have the conversation around how you want to live, basically. Um, what is the ideal scenario and figure out in your mind kind of what numbers you need to be able to live like that. But in terms of creative books, for me, it's, um, I'm just getting it out now. I like the, the work of um, Sol Latest. So it's a, a book called Early Colour. Um, he's got a black and white one as well, but Early Colour's brilliant. His frames are incredible. He shoots on a 90mm lens. Well, he did shoot on a light 90mm lens, street photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, just, it's just beautiful. So Sol Leiter. Um For me, I look at more photography-related stuff than video. Yeah. Um, there is one, uh, an editing, uh, helped me with editing called The Blink of an Eye. Um, that's quite yeah. good. Mm-hmm. But I would say, certainly with my work, I'm kind of known for the kind of light and the framing and kind of the stillness. And that's because I'm more visually drawn to photography. Yeah. Um, which is why a lot of my work is still related rather than moving. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I don't really use gimbals and things like that. It's, um, it's not something that's, that stalks the fires for me. I like things that are really still. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just kind of how I work. So, yeah, I would say the dive, especially now, like, you know, most people are going to be backlog free and figure out their brand and, 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 you know, pricing and kind of what they're going to do for 2021. You know, if you like you guys, you've been jiggling around with your color work. Um, there's plenty of stuff to kind of, you know, look into around color grading. And I would say that I would say work on your branding mm. for sure. For the rest of the year, I would really sit down and not you guys in particular, obviously, but like anyone listening, yeah. I would say, um, have a real look at your branding and understand kind of how you want to brand yourself. Um, and if you want to charge a certain amount more, then does your brand suggest that you are more? Yeah, that's what yeah. I would that's what that's, look at. That's actually thing. like a massive topic that could be a whole other podcast is how much oh God, yeah. the brand yeah, reflects your pricing sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's something, I mean, my background when I studied was graphic design. So um, the whole branding thing for me is, I'm definitely no expert, but it's, it's the thing that I get excited about. Kind of when I see someone with a really good brand, it's it's amazing. You know, it's that's I think that's where a lot of the work goes in. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there is people out there with lovely, lovely wedding work, but their brand is a little bit maybe not as as considered. Um, I think now's the time to double down on learning about brand, and if it's not your thing, then pay somebody. Yeah. You know because. You're running a business, you know, Marks and Spencers don't brand themselves. You know, they pay somebody to brand Nike don't brand themselves. You know, they pay somebody to brand them and they pay photographers to shoot for them. And they, you know, so kind of have a think about where your skill is. If it's not branding, pay somebody, mm-hmm. um, you know, get help with your branding. And there's plenty of people who work in our industry. One in particular, I'm going to give him a shout because, um, because he's a really good guy. So Michael from Story of Eve, videographer from Ireland. 
Um, he also helps with um, branding. He also has a graphic design background. I think he's, he, I think he was a teacher in graphic design, if I'm right. But he's a really good guy, um, and he's helped a number of people already with their branding. So yeah, like if it's not your thing, if you don't understand, you know, topography, if you don't understand how to build a site to look a certain way, if you don't understand about colors and and what it kind of you know says to clients looking at your site, then you know, give him a shout or give whoever a shout. Uh, get educated on it. I'll pay somebody to do it for you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But I think branding's probably the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you haven't listened to our last podcast with um, Michaela talking about running your business like a CEO, listeners, uh, I would definitely go ahead and uh, listen to that because it's a really good episode and it'll help you. Uh, well, we, we talk about this kind of thing. Yeah, having confidence and knowing your numbers and stuff. Yeah, which good. Has been touched yeah. on today as well. Yeah. Um, awesome, Richard. Thank you very much for for joining us. Um, obviously, we know you do. Uh, you have your own workshop. Uh, so yes. do you want to do, yeah. do you want to plug anything educational that you're doing at the moment? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the clarity work. So I have a workshop called Clarity. It's in its well. This year would have been its third, going into its fourth. Um, so we had three workshops this year that obviously got cancelled because of uh, COVID. But I've had a lot of emails about when it's starting again now. You know, things are kind of getting back to normal-ish. So I'm doing early 2021. There's going to be the the next Clarity Workshop. Um, 20 spaces. I've already had... So I put it out in one of the Facebook groups that it's going to go live. Uh, and there's been 72 um, inquiries. Wow. Nice. So, and that was in the first, I think, the first two or three hours. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a, a good one. Um, the last one we did, people came from mm. East Coast, West Coast, um, US, um, Russia. There was a guy from Poland on one. There was Italy, Denmark. There's people come from, which is baffles me, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> They're just sitting in yeah. a room with me for an hour and I'm swearing a lot. So it's, yeah, maybe it's a bit of a culture show for some people. But, yeah, the next one is... There's no date set yet, but it's early 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be good. And the the mentoring is, is I do mentoring as well, but that's that only paused for a, um, for a few months, only because, and that was my end. I thought it was the right thing to do because it's a it's a monthly kind of payment, and I yeah. think it was the right thing to do to pause that for a while while this was there was so much uncertainty. Mm. So that was paused for everybody, and they've all got back and wanted to you know, restart that. So that's been starting again for a month. Okay. And I usually take on five people a year. It's like a yearly thing. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's, it's basically coaching people through uh, that kind of booking season through to shooting, through to editing season. Um, it's like a full season approach basically. Um, so that's ongoing. So yeah. Yeah. Clarity starts again, early 2021. Looking forward to it. Awesome. And where, and where is this? I know your first one was in Dublin, but First one was Dublin, uh, well, just outside, and that was that was brilliant. Then it was local to me uh, in Wynyard, um, and then we did, which is like the home of it. Wynyard Hall is kind of the home of Clarity, basically. Okay, I did one in London. Um, that was a that was a good one, but London, I'll be honest, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's a big pain in the ass. Uh-huh. Like, try and get a location so that the. the the price of their workshop is five fifty. Now, 
and there's 20 people usually, like 15 to 20, mm -hmm. but try and get a location in London um, for a sensible price is, you can't do it. It's ridiculous. So I think London may be off the cards because I'm going to have to charge way more for it to be in London because obviously I'm going to have to travel there. So it's probably going to be somewhere with some, certainly with social distancing as well. It's, it's, it's easier to be somewhere a little more remote. Yeah. Um, but has good train links and good airport links, um, which kind of the Northeast is. So we'll see. I'm not sure, but I don't think it's going to be London. I just found it. The whole process for me for the London workshop was, was bad. We had a cool loft. You know, I, I kind of hired this loft space and we had to get TVs brought in. And it's just relying on all of those people to do their job on time is a pain in the ass. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a pain in the ass. So, yeah, so it, it's easier to go somewhere where they're professional and they can literally have everything set up for you and you just come in, fresh coffee, fresh cookies, sit mm -hmm. down, enjoy the day and then walk away. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's where it's going to – it's probably going to be – in the north at some point, I think. I don't know yet. No, I'm not 100% where, but... All right. We'll see. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, we'd, that's cool. Yeah, that's we'd cool. encourage people to keep an eye out for any announcements on that and check out Richard's social media and stuff. Yeah, yeah. in fact, Richard, where can people find you online? Uh, obviously, just our website, uh, rlfilms.com, um, rlfilmsco.com. I hate the core bit. I hate that. Um, <laughs> but it's rlfilmsco.com. It's... I hate it, but that's what it is. Okay. Um, and then Instagram is just my name, Richard Lang. Um, or you can find me at RL Films. It comes up on both. But yeah, it just that's the only two I have. I don't have a Facebook page. And then if you need to ask me anything, just send me an email. Hello at rlfilmsco.com. Like I'm kind of always down for a chat. Um, if you want to register interest for the workshop, you can just go on the, the workshop part of the site and you can put your details in and I'll get the email and I'll keep you on the list. Um, but yeah, simple. Sweet. And if you think uh, Richard is an immoral person for his flexible pricing methods, don't send him threats, people. Do not do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> Richard, thank you. Thank you very much for, uh, for joining us today. Uh, obviously, thank we know you. it's been two hours of your time, so we really do appreciate it. But I think thank it's you. been such a great listen. Yeah. Thank you Thanks. very much. Cheers, guys. Thank you. And people can find us at Cinemate Films on IG and all those places as well. Yes, that's right. If you have any uh, questions for us, just uh, hit us up on our Instagram DMs. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode goes online. Leave a review as well. And if you don't want to do that, totally cool. Keep listening. But uh, maybe, uh, maybe tell a friend about us. Anyway... Until next time, enjoy your life. <laughs>